Can changing your corner of the universe change the world? We think so. You've heard the quote, be the change you want to see in the world. But what does that look like? This is where we meet the people that are walking that out. One person, one idea, one decision at a time. Here's Vaden and Rex. All right. Welcome back to another episode of My Corner of the Universe. Today, we had the pleasure of speaking with Jim Lineberger from Valley Community Pantry. And Jim is perfect example of what we started this podcast for. He's someone out there that is making a difference in his corner of the universe. And um, there are hundreds of families every single month that get fed because of the work that Jim and his organization is doing. And it's a heartwarming story um, about someone that didn't necessarily want to get involved with, you know, the food pantry, um, you know, director position, but found himself in there and just really has seemed like to me thrived in that position. So um, it's, it's such an important part of our communities and I, it's such an overlooked part of, um, you know, our day-to-day lives. We're all so busy, but man, if you get a chance to uh, check out this episode and visit your local pantry, gosh, you can do a lot of good for your local community. Yeah. And um, one thing that was great about Jim, he was really a, a no-nonsense kind of guy, but you could tell he's got a huge heart and cares yeah. and is passionate about what he's doing and dedicated to making it work. I mean, he had talked a couple of times about he was he was ready to quit just because it just wasn't working at times and then it was going better and then wasn't working and better. And just one of those guys that wants to make it, you know, be successful and make it work. And one of the things that I thought that he shined some light on that I never really thought about that, you know, is a point where I think there was a little pause because I think me and Rex were both processing it was the amount of a, of seniors who are struggling right now. And I think when we think of community pantries and things like that, um, you think homeless, you think think poverty and, you know, I'm not trying to say put out stigmas of anything, but I think people do have a stigma with homeless. Obviously it's a major problem, but I think people a lot of times will look at that and think of like, Oh yeah, they did something or they have this. And that's not always the truth. But then when you think of just, a senior, you think of like your grandmother or your mother or whoever it is. And you're like, gosh, they lived their life. They worked. And now they're on social security, what they were told they're supposed to do making 800 bucks a month and they can't survive on that. Um, and it was just kind of that when he said that it, it hit hard on us to be like, wow, that's so true. And he talked about how that they've changed that as one of their biggest focus is helping seniors out. Yeah. And I thought another really kind of uh, eye-opening was this year they've been able to, you know, financially kind of uh, make up for some years past. And I, to me, I was like surprised just because a lot of nonprofits during the, you know, this last year with COVID have really struggled. And so they've been able to do great financially, but they have struggled with volunteers. And so to me, this is another, uh, you know, glaring example of like, if you can help out locally, gosh, it's a great great thing to do for your community. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he's located in Hemet, which is kind of the Riverside area, but you know, wherever you're at, I'm sure there's a food pantry or some organization you can help out one day a month or whatever you can do to just be able to help out locally, because these are the organizations that are really making those changes in our communities. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, 
recycling side to it too, which a lot of people don't think of, but there's a lot of food that would get thrown away if it wasn't for these food pantries. So, um, you know, it just kind of brings it full circle right there as well. So make sure you are liking and sharing the episode. And if you, you know, know someone that might be a great guest on the show, reach out to us and um, we'd love to have them on and hope you enjoy. Welcome to another episode of My Corner of the Universe. Today, we are joined by Jim Leinberger from VCP. Jim, thank you for joining us today. Thank you uh, for having us on here. Absolutely. Yeah, really excited to talk to you, learn a little bit more about the Valley Community Pantry, what it is that you guys are doing um, in your community, in your area. But first, I'd just like to kind of talk a little bit about yourself, how you got into the kind of nonprofit space. Um, was it something you've done for a long time or something you kind of fell into? Just give us a little background on, on yourself and how you got to where you're at today. Uh, we used to live in La Mirada and back in 1989, my wife and I, not that we're rich, but we just felt we were blessed. We wanted to do things for other people. So we started a homeless ministry called La Mirada Christians in Action. And we used to go down to Skid Row, streets of LA, and just reach out, give clothes, give food, talk and pray with people. Uh, We didn't have the means to get them off the streets. We just had the means to feed them and clothe them once in a while and pray with them. And we continued that until 2007 um, when we moved out here to where we're located now in the Riverside area. And then the commute was just too far. And uh, so I've been doing it that long with my wife. And then in 2011, I joined the board of directors for Valley Community Pantry. And I don't know what happened, but six months later, they vote me in as a director and I'm fighting, <laughs> no, I don't want to be. And they say, yeah, you do. And here I am 10 years later. Nice. I have a quick question about what you were doing before at Skid Row. Have you looked at a lot of the kind of pictures and videos nowadays? Was it as bad as it is now? And for those of you who aren't familiar with the California area, it's a pretty, I don't know how to say, infamous area of homelessness and, and poverty, especially right now in that Skid Row area of L.A. Yeah, and again, I haven't been down there since 2007. Um, I've seen pictures now that the cities and and agencies have done a lot to put people in housing just for the night, not permanent housing. So I'm going to say the streets in some areas are better. The streets outside of Skid Row is growing. But yeah, Jim, you were just saying how, you know, basically Skid Row used to be... uh, a condensed area of homeless, but it's kind of changed more recently because of a things that they're doing to house people temporarily, but also uh, not only that, it seems like the homeless population is kind of spread out as well. Is that kind of where yeah, you're Yeah, that's from the last time I've been down there. I haven't been down there recently. Um, but you know, as you guys say up there and down here, we're getting more and more homeless. So it's just, it's, it's a trend that in my opinion is so out of control and I don't like to be negative. I'm not sure what we as a country can do about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really tough um, problem. And it's really, I don't know if there's a, a one solution fixes all kind of a situation, but it's um, its really sad. And and uh, hopefully um, we can find a solution for it. Because gosh, I, I, I know living on the streets is not the way to go. You know, uh, some years ago, we had our youth group uh, sleep outside in the church courtyard. And they did a fundraiser, they raised funds, and then it went to the uh, uh, the homeless center that we have in Hemet. And uh, they were only allowed to sleep with jackets and gloves and cardboard. 
Wow. So they got creative and made forts and stuff and what have you. And most of them, I'm going to say probably 20% stuck it out. The other 80% couldn't handle it because of the coldness. Yeah. And these folks do this every, every day, you know? Right. That's kind of a great little uh, experiment for a youth group to do, to be able to get a real world feel of what it's like. Cause it is easy for us to say, man, homelessness is really bad, but then to actually even experience that's like you said, that's one night, you know, to actually right. experience it and get that perspective and that's in on Southern it. California. Yeah, like, for sure. Think about so many spots that like, you know, Seattle or San Francisco where it's really cold. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about VCP, the Valley Community Pantry. Um, we had a guest on a few months back that was the Mid-South Food Bank. Um, and I think some of our listeners are kind of familiar with the food bank idea. Um, tell us a little bit, are you guys kind of in that food bank section or how do you kind of define yourself as far as helping people in that way? The Valley Community Pantry is a food pantry. Okay. So just for those that don't know the difference, the food banks not that they don't reach out to the community. They actually feed or supply the food pantries. Okay. So they'll get a lot of their donations from the uh, corporations and stores and things like that. And then the certain food banks, you get the stuff free or some of it, you pay like very, very small amount of money. So we're an actual food pantry. So we actually go directly to the clients in our area. Um, so we service uh, about 12 cities. Uh, the primary one, primary uh, of our, maybe 82% of our clients are from our actual city, him and in San Jacinto. Um, so, and, and then, you know, we do things other than food. We do rental assistance, utility assistance. And in some cases we'll pay for prescriptions for seniors, or I just this morning picked up gas cards for uh, ARCO for $25. So when we have the seniors that go to out of the city for uh, medical, we give them a gas card to help them out. That's great. Yeah, that is great. So are you guys um, a lot supported by the church you're connected with or community donors? How is the kind of the main way you guys are, are supported right now? Yeah, I'll give you a little bit of history about it. The, pant- the community pantry, which is now referred to as Valley Community Pantry, because we serve a huge valley, started from a church, the, the Episcopal Church of the Good Shepherd, back in 65. And then in 1991, the need got so big, this little church, couldn't handle it. So then the community pantry became its own nonprofit entity. So we're not owned or anything by a church. We're our own corporation. Mm. And uh, we've been that way ever since. And uh, we're funded by the community. That's why it's a community pantry. We've got local stores that give. uh, Last year, we received 800,000 pounds of food to give out. We've got churches, service organizations that help with food and money. And our community, as I mentioned earlier, it, it used to be a very, very wealthy community. There's still a lot of people with money. And uh, we just got a, a manufactured home donated and wow. uh, we just sold it a couple of weeks ago. And that was a $118,000 donation. We had That's a lady awesome. at the beginning of the year write a check for $50,000 because they believe in our cause. So we, and then we get a lot of grants. There's federal and state grants and city grants that you get throughout the year, too. How many uh, people uh, did you guys serve last year? Do you have those kind of numbers? Okay, and this is the craziest thing. The pantry has struggled for the last 25 years financially. We've grown from uh, 2011 when I took over from like 600 families a month to 950 families a month. And we've been growing every year. Um, The crazy thing is since COVID, 
the food donations have skyrocketed. The uh, money donations have gone, you know, big. The grants, we've gotten another additional $180,000 grants we've never got. But the amount of people we're servicing has gone down by about 30%. Hmm. Now, what that's allowed us to do is, let's just say a family of three gets eight bags of food because we bag all this stuff. They're walking out of here with 10, 12, 15 bags of food. So we're able to feed them more times a month and giving them more food. We're just not understanding, and it's not just our pantry, guys. It's other pantries. Our numbers have gone down, and we can't figure that out. So, um yeah, that's question really if you were if you were given a family, you know, let's say three bags of food, because I think this is the same with with the other the food bank is you don't see yourself or at least hadn't in the past of being like, hey, this is your food source. This is more of a supplement to help you out. But now you're almost at the point where you really are providing a significant amount of people's yeah. groceries. We're, we're supposed to be with, with some of the grants we get through HUD, which comes through uh, Riverside County. You're supposed to serve food. Emergency food is what we're considered for like 18 months and cut the people off. If we did that, we don't know where these people would get yeah. food from. So we are now almost, uh, and not every day, but we're feeding people. I've got some people that have been here for the 11 years I've been here almost. Yeah. And is a good portion of that uh, elderly or? The elderly needs, and these are great questions because a lot of people don't know, have gone up over the last four or five years. Um, I used to do a lot with the homeless on the streets, trying to rehab them and stuff. And the financial needs was too great. The amount of uh, intake case management was too needy. And so we've switched where our number one priority is veterans and seniors, which are the same thing, uh, because it's getting sad out here. And just to give you a heads up, guys, our annual income for the 13,000 families we have registered here. The average annual income is $13,700 a year. Wow. Whoa. And uh, a lot of them are on some sort of, they're probably just on some sort disability. of social security or disability or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And so imagine when your spouse dies and you had, let's say, and back then, you know, social security back then wasn't much because the income wasn't much. Mm-hmm. You're making six to 900 a month. And then when you lose a spouse, imagine what it does. And we are literally experienced seniors becoming homeless because they own their trailer, they own their manufactured home, they cannot afford the space rental. Wow. The space or property tax. And, and yeah. it's, it's sad and it, it sometimes brings you to tears because we can only do so much. Yeah, gosh, I, that's um, that's really impactful and, and really sad and crazy to think about, you know, the, I'm sure, you know, where you're at, rents have increased like they have here in Northern California and probably across the U S you know? So, I mean, you think of living off of six or $900 a month that, you know, a space rental for a, for a trailer is probably five, 600 bucks right there. Just your space rental. It's like between four and 800, depending on where you live. Yes. Yeah. So are you guys, um, is it the kind of situation where you guys deliver to these families or do they come pick it up? How does the process work? Primarily the majority of them come and pick up. Now we used to allow them inside the, what we call our lobby, the waiting room, but because of COVID now they all stay in their cars and we, we line them up outside and we come out to them following all the COVID guidelines and stuff. We do have 19 seniors. These are homebound seniors for whatever reason that we deliver to. 
if we had the means of volunteers and people with vehicles and not someone that wants to come one day and, and take food, I'm talking, I've had guys been doing this for three years, seniors. Uh, honestly, we could be delivering 2000 meals, not meals, but groceries a month to seniors. That's the need. And that's probably a low number for our needy seniors. Wow. Uh, and that's just, you know, a couple of people saying, Hey, I can do one day a week driving around and then another person or one day a month, maybe like, let's say you got 10 people that all say they can do one day a month to drive. That's how impactful it would be. It would. Now, right now we do twice a month because uh, for these seniors, uh, that's just the amount of food we can handle at this time and the amount of volunteers, you know? Um, but again, seniors and the crazy thing is guys, people don't understand your next door neighbor, you may have known them for a long time and been friends and think everything fine. If you actually sat down and they opened up to you, you'd realize just our local neighbor is struggling. These seniors are too prideful to ask for help. Mm. They don't want to ask, and a lot of them don't know who to ask. You know, and we do partner with Salvation Army, a lot of other agencies out here a mobile home park with struggling seniors. So we end up taking food to these places. They have their own food, but then they can also help supply what I call our clients that uh, can't get to the pantry, like this uh, senior park. A lot of these people can't come to us. So we've got actually three pallets of box lunches that are going to them this morning. So these are people, I'm going to say 10 of these people can make it in here, where today they're going to feed about 150 people that wouldn't have a chance to come into our pantry. So we partner oh, that's very competition. Cool. We partner because we can do greater things when you partner together. Right. Absolutely. Uh, logistically, how does it look? Um, you guys have a pretty big warehouse and then do you have volunteers usually that are back there, you know, bagging the groceries, putting things together. And then how do you deal with food allergies? You know, like, Hey, knowing that you can't have peanut butter in some of these ones, or do you just avoid common food allergies as a whole? We have like a little disclaimer that when they sign up, they read and sign, and then we put a piece of paper in each bag. We just explain to them, listen, we can only do so much. We only have so many items that may work or may not work. Um, we ask them, please accept what we give you. We don't take anything back once we give it out. And if they're able to find people that can eat them, uh, you mm -hmm. know, use the products that they can have. Uh, with this many people, you know, imagine you're barely getting things done throughout the day. Cause right now we're shorthanded with volunteers because of COVID. Mm -hmm. If we did a customized thing, it would just be too overwhelming. Yeah. And then you start to yeah. open the door up a little bit of preferences where it's like, well, I'm not allergic to a tuna fish, but I don't really like it. Can I get more of this? So, and that's what happens. And you know, the sad part is I get they're struggling. I get they're hurting. I get they're hungry. But at the same time, some of them don't realize what we have to go through to make this possible for them. You know, mm -hmm. Do you feel a lot of gratitude from the people that you're delivering to? Or do you feel there's like, I don't know if this is a bad thing to say. Do you feel some people have a sense of entitlement of wanting it? Or do you feel a majority is still just a lot of gratitude? You know, it's the typical with a lot of the pantries. 2% are your challenges, your entitlement, your never can be happy. So 98% of our people are grateful. A lot of them voice that to them. And I'm not seeing the clients every day. I have volunteers, as you asked a little bit ago, that take food to their car. So they're seeing this. Now, I have four senior men that deliver to these uh, senior parks and, and, and homes that seniors can't get out. And two of these uh, volunteer drivers come back 
One's a big guy, big Jeff, man. Just and I'm a big boy. I'm six foot, three hundred pound, but he just comes and gives me a bear hug, says thank you, thank you for letting me help these people, and he just broke down crying because he didn't realize what's really going on in this city in this world. Yeah, I bet for sure. What What do people need to do to get? uh the services is it where they have to show their income or how does that work yeah and and that's a good thing and here's what people need to understand a lot of churches just give out food they don't require an intake process and things and that's fine for them and i have sometimes you know churches saying well we don't make our clients fill out all this paperwork well i'll just be honest with you out of 12 of those churches 11 of them are, are, are gone they're not helping out food anymore there's a reason why we do what we do, and all of the pantries do that. The other thing is we're required by grants to have reports on income, okay? The poverty level, how much is extremely low, low and moderate income. So we have to do it for that reason. Now, there's a one-page intake form. Everybody needs their names, birth dates. 18 and older need social security numbers and uh, driver's license for the 18-year-olds. and uh, Basically, we don't care when it comes to food. We do not care your income. When it comes to helping with rent, utilities, or other financial things, yeah, then that's when income plays an important part. And once a year, we require this. Now, when I talk about the 2% of the entitled, (laughs) oh my gosh, these people would think that we're asking them to give you the world and their firstborn kid, (laughs) you know, so... Um, so there is an annual intake. And what we started uh, three years ago, we're seniors 60 and older. We do not require them to bring in all their paperwork because it's hard for these folks. So now yeah. we automatically renew them. We verify the information. If nothing's changed, then we just recertify them. And that's made it easier for our, our senior Yeah, population. I could see that being really helpful to that age bracket. Yeah. Jim, I had a question too. Just we have a lot of people, you know, who listen, who are in the nonprofit world and just like to get your thoughts on going the route of government grants. Um, obviously there's money there, which is great, but is the paperwork you have to do burdensome or is it still totally worth it to try and get the grants that are out there? Both. Both. <laughs> um, there's a grant through FEMA and I don't want to get into a lot of details. You can get a lot of money through them, but the paperwork is, is just too much. Now, if you had a staff of six, seven people, which I have mm-hmm. me and one page part-time staff, the rest are volunteers. Um, if you had a staff, it's a lot easier. But when it's down to you or myself doing it, it's very burdensome. Some of the grants we get through the counties, they call it CDBG, Community Development Block Grants. That's a little bit easier, but it's still worth it. And let me explain why. We get 20000 a year from the city, sometimes ten, and through the county, fifteen to 20000 Because we're part of that program already, we got an additional $95,000 in grants for the CDBG because of COVID. So if you weren't part of that program, guess what? You don't get those funds. Oh, wow. So mm. sometimes the paperwork's worth it. The majority of the time it's worth it, okay, to get that. And keep in mind, we're not a religious, not our title-wise, not our paperwork-wise, a religious entity because sometimes you can't get the federal uh funding oh that would restrict you that yeah interesting yeah what about your guys's facility are you guys able to store the food or is it a quick turnaround you guys have refrigeration how does that part of it work 
All right, if I can do a little history here. We started when I took over in 2011, we had a 1,500 square foot building, which was a doctor's office. So keep in mind a small lobby, a small check-in office in different rooms, doctor's rooms, which was for storage or, or giving out food or whatever. Then right after I took over within nine months, we had to move out of that facility to a bigger facility that, and all this has been free uh, rent to us, by the way. We went to a 2,200 square foot facility. So we, we went up just easier to function and stuff. And then we were there seven years and they were redoing the building to bring you know paid tenants in. So in 2018, we moved to where we're at now, which is a, um, a preschool that belongs to a church. So it's, it's different classrooms, but we moved here and you would have thought this was meant for us. So we have storage and stuff, but I do want to tell you, as you know, the little goldfish, you put them in a cup and he's, he's an inch. When you put them in a bowl, he's three inches. Well, that's what's happened with us. <laughs> we went from two refrigerators and a chest freezer. Now we're at a 12 by eight walk-in cooler, two commercial size, uh, two door refrigerators and five, four commercial freezers. Okay. And we don't have room everything we're getting now so we're almost not growing this place oh wow so if someone listening to this is going to call you up and be like jim i have a fifty thousand square foot warehouse i'm ready for you to grow into <laughs> listen we would do that and what we've talked with other pantries is you know if that would happen not only could we do more but maybe we consolidate some of these different church pantries and stuff all into one mm -hmm. you know i'm not here to get the glory and say i want to be the biggest and best i want to partner with people um, I've always wanted to grow this place into a intake case management and get people here and there. But I went to a seminar back uh, six, seven years ago. It's crazy. It was put on by the city and this in the county of Riverside. But the gentleman do it was a full on Christian. And the way he was talking blew me away because you're not supposed to talk that way in city and county things. And he was up there talking about homeless and how to help them. And and I'm sitting back with all my experience saying, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. And about a month later, it just hit me in the head. This guy was right on. And what he says is don't try to grow and do everything. Do what you do best and partner with those that do what you want to do. And that's that hit me in the head. And I said, man, that's the way to do it. And that's what we're trying to do now. Love it. That's yeah, great. That is great. So do you see yourself possibly trying to, as future development, you know, partner with people out so you know with uh pantries or organizations outside of your vicinity like the area um move to other cities partner wise or just kind of stand focused in the hema area you know we would grow into other cities if there was a need um, i'm not sure if there is um, of course a lot of that has to do with money as, as we mm -hmm. all know we uh, partner with other pantries in riverside county we're part of a group called hopo helping our people.org they're the ones that put together the software pantry pack, the pantry software package that we use. So we got together to work on updating that software. Then we got to the point, hey, let's start talking about each other. Uh, for example, we're in a very low poverty area. Some of our area pantries in Murrieta, Menifee, and Temecula, their income is thirty to 40000 a year, where I told you ours was 13000 Yeah. They'll throw food our way when they have extra, and sometimes they'll deliver it for us. So when you start to know who you're feeding and, and what you're dealing with, again, pantries want to help each other and not say, I'm going to be the biggest and the best. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Right. I mean, you. I mean, the size and scope of the area that you guys are dealing with is is big for people that aren't in California and don't know that. I mean, you guys have a pretty big area that you're helping people. For example, Hemet's got a, a eighty-five thousand people. San Jacinto, right next door, has got like almost thirty thousand. But we do the cities around us. Now, th- those cities around us only make up about seven percent. And the reason being is they cannot, they don't have a vehicle, they don't have a gas, they can't get to us. So in Anza, we supply one of the pantries with as much food as we can. In Homeland, we uh, every Friday, in fact, they're almost, they're going to be here within about a half hour. Every Friday, they pick up stuff that's still good because they hand out on Saturdays and they give out to like 170 people. These are people we couldn't feed because they can't get to us. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so, so we do that. San Jacinto, uh, I told you that senior parks getting three pallets of food today. So that's the way to do it. Yeah. Know? And ge- geographically, um, it's pretty spread out in the Valley there too. Right. You know, those cities, like it's not necessarily, if you're thinking like you're on the East coast or somewhere and you're, you know, in Boston or something, the city's right next to you. I mean, things are, are a little more spread out there. Correct. We are based on our areas based on our uh, district, our supervisor district. So the, the cities the furthest away, let me go like uh, north of us, uh, they're going to be 15 minutes away. East and west is going to be 10 minutes away. And then south can be about an hour and 15 minutes away. Oh, oh wow. So. Nice. Definitely um, the the scope for, I mean, you know, where we live, I'm, you know, I don't know what the, the local food pantry is like, but I'm sure it's not uh, – you know, geographically serving the areas that you guys are. So that's impressive that you guys are able to cover, you know, through partnerships, so many different spots. You know, one of the things hard about our pantry, because we're probably one of the oldest pantries, and I'm not going to say a church pantry, there could be some out there, but we're probably one of the oldest pantries in the county. And the really hard part is because we've been known and out there for so long, we get more referrals or rent, utilities, and food um, than, than almost any pantry in the county. And it's not that we, can, we can't handle the volume. It's just that we're the go-to place. So what's hard about this is it's emotionally and spiritually hard to run a, a nonprofit like this because, yes, you're helping people and you want to focus on the good stuff you're doing. But when you have to tell the person, no, I can't help you, you know, they walk away mad saying, I can't believe that guy. But when we walk away, say we can't help you, we're, we're dying inside. We're crying yeah, because I've got 19 rental agreements and utility assistance on my desk here. And I don't know what I can do. I can do part of them. So now I got to sit here and figure out, you know, who I help. And, and I help this person and not that person. It's like, it, it's hard. It's just really, really hard. And, um, uh, but, you know, we, 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 I have pastors that meet with me and give me spiritual talkings and stuff, and they keep telling me, and I've changed my ways in the last year and a half, focus on, I've got this much great stuff, mm-hmm. this much trouble and attitudes, and I concentrate on this. Mm. But they're getting me to concentrate on this. So I've been spiritually better, happier, better moods, and understanding we're doing a great job here, no matter what people think. Yeah. And that's what we have to do. And uh, it shows in the donations we received here in the um, in this last year with COVID. If we weren't who we are and didn't do what we did, 
we would not get the support that we've gotten. Never in the history, 56 years, have we been blessed like we have since June of last year through now. Wow. Amazing. Well, I appreciate you sharing that story because I think that that's true with so many of us to where we do things in life and there's positive and then there's this little tiny bit of negative or just something that bothers us. And that tends to be what we focus on. And I think that's a yeah. good reminder, like you shared for everybody, you know, in the nonprofit world or just in life in general to, you know, not focus on that small little segment of mess ups or mistakes or just negative and focus on the positive that's going on in your life. Right. Yeah, that's great. Well, if people want to, you know, uh, either volunteer or to be able to uh, provide help in, through monetary funds or, or another means, what's how can people get involved and, and help you guys out? You know, one of my uh, board members, our vice president, Liz, has been awesome in just the last year and a half, two years with social media. We just uh, updated our website. So our website is www.vcpcares.org and that's Valley Community Pantry. That's what VCP stands for. It's a beautiful website. The person who built it, it was a $7,000 website. She did it for $2,200. She loves our agency, our organization. She's doing a lot of stuff free for us because it's just working. We're also on Facebook and, and uh, Instagram under Valley Community Pantry. So Liz has been doing a great job with a couple other board members, and that has helped us get exposure. Um, so on there, on the uh, website, you can go to a uh, button, how to help, how to donate. It's an easy process to donate funds. Uh, the volunteer uh, takes you to a, you know, a page where you can do that. We're starting to go online with the forms for the clients. We don't think a lot of clients will have the means because they don't have internet, they don't have right. computers, but we're trying to streamline and make things easier for our clients. That's one of our biggest goals, how to feed more for less work, but still get the, the items and the, the reports that we need for the grants. So, okay. So volunteering, we'll, we'll... Right now, guys, we're, we're hurting for volunteers. We're picking up a few here in the last month or two. We joined some volunteer programs online uh, with social media, but it's, it's just not enough. I've got some volunteers here every day and they're lifting 30, 40, 50 pound boxes and crates of food. And, and most of these are women and they're senior women. So I'm just blessed to have the volunteers that we have right well, now. Uh, what does that look like? So if someone's listening to this and they're like, huh, maybe I could volunteer. I mean, what, what, what would a day of volunteering work look like? Well, there's different things. Uh, we're, we're fine with the uh, office staff. We have the uh, Latter-day Saints, the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints with their service missionaries. We get 10 to 12 a week coming to do different chores, but I have three of them in the office right now. So they do a lot of, and these are long-term missionaries. So we can have them from six months to two years. So that saves us from having to pay a salary. But primarily, it's just in the mornings at eight o'clock, we're stocking the shelves. We're, we're, we're filling up the areas of certain foods. Every day, we're picking up from six stores. That food basically comes in and goes right on the shelves to go out. A lot of your canned goods and box items, we have, we have stocked up. We have uh, five different, four different classrooms that have stocked. In March, when COVID hit, folks, we were down to 15, 20% stock. Wow. Now we're, we're doing pretty good and we're hoping we can keep this thing going, but there's bag and food, just putting your station workstation has a list of what to put in a bag uh, or it's helping unload the uh, pickup trucks that we bring back with food and 
going through the dates, torn packages and different things like that. So sorting, bagging, uh, helping load and unload pickup trucks. And uh, we have a gentleman who's on a workman's comp program that we partner with different workman's comp agencies. He can't do lifting or anything, but he's in my uh, parking lot directing cars where to park. Before him, it was chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> so now with him, it's been a blessing. So here's a guy that I couldn't use because he can't lift, push, or pick up. But now we got him out in the parking lot doing that. Yeah, that's great. You'll, you know, in the organization, you'll find a need for whatever they can help out with. So if anybody that's in the Riverside or Hemet area that, you know, if you're listening and you're in that area, it would be great to reach out to Jim to help out. But also, you know, I'm sure Jim would probably agree too. If you live anywhere, you know, look up your local valley, you know, community pantry or food bank and, and help out there. You know, if you live in Florida, you know, just because you're listening to this and you're like, well, I'm not in California, you know, see if you can do a day, you know, at your local food pantry and help them out. Exactly. Well, we know that there are a tremendous need for people like you, Jim. And I really just want to say thank you for what you're doing. I know your community is so grateful to have someone like you running the show there. So, um, you know, and all the volunteers that you have, just please pass our praise to them as well. Cause, um, without people like you, people would be going hungry. So thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. If you liked today's episode, you can find more information at mycorneruniverse.com and don't forget to subscribe. Thank you.